Welcome to another episode of the Ignited Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Jessica, your host, and I invite you to join in and listen to a conversation with an amazing entrepreneur who has leaned into their passion and is igniting their life and the life of others. Welcome to another episode of Ignited Entrepreneurs. Today I have with me Dr. Ian Brooks. He's a psychologist, communication guru, an author, and a leadership development coach. Ian, welcome to the show. No, thank you, Jessica. It's wonderful being here uh, chatting with you today. Yeah, I'm really interested in, um, well, your book. I did just download it. And I started reading a little bit about it. And a lot of what I caught, even just from the very, very beginning, has really landed for me. And so I'm really looking forward to getting into this conversation with you because I think not only for myself, but I think, you know, this is something that the way that you approach what, you know, the intention of your book and how your message translates, I think is going to be really uh, important for people to hear. So Ian, can you please tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure, Jessica. And and thank you for the introduction. And, you know, just even the initial view into my book intention, um, it really is a that book is a culmination of my own personal experience as well as those working with others. And so for you know just a background on me, you know, I've been in the psychology field for going on 25, 26 years. Um, I originally identified that I wanted to be a psychologist when I was 13 years old. Um, wow. You know, I, it was one of those a situation where how I was grew up and my own personality really lent itself to being a psychologist. Um, in particular, um, I avoided any type of limelight. Um, I didn't want any type of judgment. So that included, yeah, I didn't want to be at the top of the class because that also offered expectations and visibility. Um, I daggone sure didn't want to be at the bottom of the class because that gave me a different type of visibility that I didn't <laughs> want. <laughs> so I always try to stick right in the middle, right? Right in that average area, right around C's, B's, not trying to go too high, not trying to go too low, because now I got the wiggle room. Um, it also afforded me a chance to also fit into my personality of just that average person just sitting in the background and just seeing and asking the question of why do people do what they do? I was always curious of how do people get to where they are and what goes into their decision making, even as a 13 year old, you know, even as I've looked around me and my family and friends and like, what judgments do we offer? And as such, it took me on a journey of thinking to myself, I wanted to be a psychologist and I, that's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And I'm fortunate enough to still do it today. So that journey has taken me from working as a clinician. So getting my master's in clinical psychology, working in a 24 hour lockdown ward with adults, doing individual therapy, group coaching, as well as working with children, not necessarily in the, in the ward, but individually, around intelligence testing and personality testing. So it afforded me to get a solid foundation of knowledge of who people are and how we get to where we are, both from a scholastic standpoint, but also very tangible, proven, valid studies from like the Rorschach and MMPI and, and studies like that and, and tools as such as those, which was outstanding. But one day as when I was working with the clinical group adults, I thought to myself, I want to work with some higher functioning people. I can't see myself going into a 24-hour lockdown ward for the rest of my life. 
uh, as it's much needed. I was like, I just need to work with higher functioning people. And oh yeah, by the way, I need to pay off these loans at a reasonable <laughs> rate. So I made the switch to industrial organization psychology. So working with businesses and working with people one-on-one from a coaching standpoint. But my foundation was always in that clinical side, but it afforded me to make a smooth transition to working with people in organizations, doing change management, doing leadership development, conducting and working one-on-one as a coach. And now also getting my doctorate in that. And so it took me on this journey of working with a, a who's who's of organizations, if you will, um, from the Bank of America to the world, the IBMs of the world, the Nikes of the world, the Sonys of the world, Warner Brothers, Netflix, um, some really in the federal government, to say the least. It's gave me, given me an opportunity to work with a lot of different diverse populations and groups in ways that uh, has afforded me to really see the diversity of people's backgrounds, their differences and their experiences. And it really affords me an opportunity to be authentic in the voice that I'm bringing and helping them as they're guiding through their own journeys. But one of the things that I realized as I was working with the higher quote unquote functioning individuals, um, we're not necessarily higher functioning, we can just cope better mm. <laughs> than, than my folks in the clinical ward. But so in that process, I started just one day just documenting what I was hearing, what were the themes, what were the challenges that were consistent across all the individuals with whom I was working with. And that's what started the culmination and the, the documentation of my book, Intention. It afforded me a chance to really put down on paper where I thought people needed the most help. And it anchored around two different areas in particular. The first is everyone worries about sustainment, right? Everyone's worrying about that end result. Um, that how do I continue and sustain what I'm doing from a new behavior standpoint? But that's an end result. That's an end point. That is something that we're always looking towards. But there's so much that leads towards our sustainment. Because if we think about human behavior, there are so many off ramps for us because it's all anchored around choice. It's anchored around our environments. It's anchored on who we are as people, individuals. And so I, that was one of the biggest challenges as I was finding in coaching my um, uh, clients is that we need to focus more, put more focus on who they are as individuals, focus more on what are they really discovering from a challenge standpoint? How does their environment influence what they do and how they do it and keeps them where they are? Then we can start building a plan based off of a place of a empowerment, awareness, and acknowledgement knowing that we can change our end results, but we were not gonna be able to sustain anything if we haven't built a solid foundation or framework to get there. And in that, we're focusing on behaviors and capabilities that are transferable. We're not looking for a finish line. It's something that we can take from situation to situation, place to place, experience to experience, but we're not losing sight of who we are and staying true to ourselves. So that's been my journey from starting off and leveraging my clinical psychology background and thought as a 13 year old kid around judgment to now extending myself to running my own business with Road Smith Consulting, as well as writing my book, Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. It's afforded me a chance to even grow myself into being the person that I am more authentic and I can be more compassionate around how the experiences of those who I'm coaching in their experiences. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love what you said about, you know, now you just through 
like learning about other people, it's actually allowed you to sort of evolve yourself, right? Absolutely. Um, it was, it's something, you know, I think that's inherent maybe to all psychologists or counselors or someone who's in the field of support, where we're always putting people of, our, of whom we're working with at the forefront in recognizing that the experiences of those in, my, in the clinical ward and those children, when I was doing the clinical psychology work and extending that to those who are in our day-to-day -day worlds that we interact with all the time from a personal level, we're all going through the same experiences and putting everyone there to the forefront and recognizing that we all just wanna be better. And that includes me too. And understanding what are those themes, regardless of the differences in our backgrounds and the places where we live, and now our own expectations of ourselves, we all have a journey and story that is very unique, but also very consistent on how we can actually manage and navigate it to make sure that uh, we are achieving um, our own stories and evolving with the, thing, with the uh, environment around us. Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, once you started working with like some more of the executive types or what you air quoted, you know, higher functioning people, and what you really found out is that they just cope better. Yeah. So, right. Like that is, that's, that's the thing is like, we're all just kind of coping. Mm -hmm. like, like life still happens to all of us, but it's like developing those skills and those tools and awarenesses that allow us to actually get through those moments. So I'm just curious, like, you know, what were some of the things that you saw that, you know, those people were able to do that say the people in the 24 lockdown had not been able to um, figure out for themselves to be able to cope. Sure. You know, I think the, you know, just to start off the individuals in a 24 hour lockdown ward, you know, as you might just from the title and the description of that location, it's a 14 day um, uh, stay in this ward where you need a key to get in and get out. So it's extremely controlled environment where I, the psychiatrist and the other staff are there to support an individual or a group of individuals on a one-on-one -on -one and group basis in a very controlled fashion. So as such, we can change the narrative pretty, I would say quickly, but as much as making sure that they're on their medication, walking them through their processes, talking um, in a very controlled environment. You knew when they were gonna get up, you knew when they were gonna shower, you knew when they were gonna eat. So in that particular place, it's almost like a research study, if you will. Well, we said on the second Tuesday of the, of the third month of a leap year, when it rains in Southern California, this is what's <laughs> happen, right? <laughs> and then what ultimately happened is when you put a, this, the same population outside of that controlled environment back into their, back into the regular world where you have your environment around you that is all encompassing. And as we think about environment, it's your people, places, and things, right? That have formulated a, our semblance of support and identity of who we are. It reinforces the characters of who we bring to the table every single day based off of, it, of our varying situations. And so what the, the clinical staff oftentimes struggle with, or clinical um, clients, excuse me, struggled with was adapting back into their environments when they had changed or gone, were going through particular changes, yet we're putting them right back into an environment of which is intended to derail them, mm -hmm. to create noise or to keep them where they see them in a particular box. Now, if we fast forward that experience now to executives and just people of whom I coach on a, on a general basis, 
we now have coping mechanisms of which we've surrounded ourselves around our areas of support, no different from an environment standpoint. So our people, places, and things. We have our routines in place. We think we've adjusted fairly well across how we're interacting and what we're doing. But we're recognizing that in our day-to-days, we've built our structure around ourselves, around things that have kept us safe, things that have reinforced our own expectations, our own beliefs, our own environments, our own boxes that we too have found that we're able to cope and deal with. We augment. Things that challenge those thought processes are often, are often areas that, that, we don't, uh, that we just kind of sweep underneath the rug. And as such, when we start to change, we think to ourselves, well, if I only change this one thing, I'll be fine. <laughs> right? It's always a one thing scenario when you're talking to most people outside, outside the clinical ward. And it's like, no, you, you probably have another five things, right? There's five things that probably represent that one area that you want to change. So I'll offer an example. Um, I was coaching a woman. She felt, she came to me and she said she was overwhelmed. It's like, I don't know why I'm overwhelmed, but I'm overwhelmed. I said, okay, that's fair enough. It's easy to think, think, uh, think that, but help me understand why you think you're overwhelmed. Well, she was getting ready to retire from a job she had for 25 years, where she was a strategist and executive at a, within a school and helping build strategies for the school programs and then giving them the project managers of whom would go out and do the work. She was also a clinical therapist. So she also had a clinical therapy business that she was running. On top of that, she was also just starting off a new business with her husband, her brother, and several others of a website business that was going to expand and grow across the nation. Oh yeah, by the way, she also said she wanted some downtime. <laughs> time to, for yoga and just to relax. And I said, okay, well, then, just talking about that makes me overwhelmed, <laughs> right? And, 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 and while that was her challenge, as we started having the conversation, one of the first things I asked her was, what are you willing to give up? You have a, are you willing to give up your psychology and clinical business? She said, no that's the thing that's going to be bringing in money, you know, and so forth to spend on building out this website, and this other business. Great. You're also going to now be retiring from this job that you had for 25, 30 years. Great. So that's going away. Now you have the new business. What are you willing to give up there? You're the CEO. She's like, well, I can't give up anything. People are relying upon me to do everything, both the strategy, the work, I said, okay, are you really the single point of failure? Are you really that um, crutch for everybody in the organization? And you have a staff of about 12 people. What about, what if you were to let certain things go? Like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Now let's talk about this for a moment. Is that you can't or you won't? And so ultimately our conversation evolved to that it was an inability to let go of control. It was ability to trust those that she had hired, even letting go of of other actions. Because when we think about change and we think about our actions, again, from 
regular quote unquote person world for executives and leaders and people in general, they think it's yes and. It's I'm gonna continue doing everything I'm doing, but I'm just gonna change this one thing. But everything else in my life is staying the same. And for this woman, because she was overwhelmed, she could not let go. It was, I just don't wanna be overwhelmed anymore. And so her challenge was being able to trust in this particular example and delegate appropriately. For others who are often struggle, the coping mechanism is we're, we are good at what we are good at. And we constantly reinforce that because that provides us a value of, of, of strength, of self-worth, of value. But when we, when we start to uncover ideas of transformation, we start to uncover that we aren't maybe the things that we're good at in one area aren't necessarily transferable to others and or they potentially hold us back. And as a result, a lot of my conversations are anchored around, around who people are, as well as where do they want to go and just acknowledging all of that upfront. Mm, I love that, you know, you were able to just ask a few simple questions to get down to the real cause of the overwhelm and the real um, reason for why she was feeling the way she was, was simply because of the lack of trust and those things that she hadn't really thought of before. Um, that's one of the things I love about coaching is being able to ask those powerful questions and, and take people to a place that they hadn't thought to go before. Absolutely. And, um, and as a result, and I'm sure it's probably similar for your experiences as well, it then allows people to have a choice. It doesn't mean that they're wrong for having their perspective. Um, it does not mean that they're right. It does mean that now that we know that this is who I am and the decisions that you're willing to make, now what are you willing to do to get and to achieve a result that you want? That it's easy, not easy, but it becomes easier. <laughs> well, it becomes clearer, I would imagine. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah, yes. having that vision of what it is that you actually want then probably helps people to make those decisions easier. Absolutely. And they come to it to themselves. Like, okay, now that you've identified what you're willing to do and who you are, the things that are helpful, but also the things that are hurting you, now you have a choice. And we're, before we even take any step, like actual action, this is all built around just thinking. Coming from a place of, uh, of thought, strategy, and more specifically, transformation. Yeah, one of the quotes that I picked up from researching you was, it's not about change, it's about transformation. Yeah. And that was, that landed so hard for me. That was, you know, because from somebody who, I'm definitely in a place where I'd like to make some changes, mm -hmm. but you know, like you say, if I focus on just a single act or a single area that I want to change, it's not going to be enough to be sustainable, right? I have to look at it from a whole and from a journey and from the whole transformation that I want to create. So that was, that was actually what made me decide I need to go read your book. That was, <laughs> that was the quote. <laughs> that was it. That was the advertising. That was the promotion that I needed. And I instantly went to Kindle and I grabbed your book. So can you share more about that, where that came from, what that means and, and just, yeah, dive in. If nothing, if for nobody else, which 
just for me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's just you and I. It's just it's just you and yeah. I. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm glad that resonated because I we often think about change as this all-encompassing area, and the words change and transformation are often used interchangeably, um, but they're truly different. There are two different terms in how we look at them. And so specifically, as I consider change, changes are those individual actions that lead to bigger behavioral outcomes, right? And some type of, of end result. Changes also tend to be event-driven. Like, oh, I'm working in an organization. I'm coaching an executive. We have an employee survey. That event is how are we increasing certain areas within your employee survey and the feedback that your employees gave to you. That's an event or an event of I'm trying to, uh, I know I, we have our high school reunion that's coming up. I got to look good for the reunion. <laughs> um, I have to go, I got to figure out how we will make this work in the next three months. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes maybe even two weeks, like, okay, how's this going to work? Um, those are events. Can I get that? Can I get you to an event or a change? That answer is yes. Again, I can get you to do something one time. That's a change. Transformations, on the other hand, are a collection of changes mm. that lead to a broader outcome. That way, these transformations are something new, an adaptive lifestyle, something, a new way of life. So as you think about my book, Intention, if you look at the cover, you'll note that I, that I have butterflies on there. Mm-hmm. That's very intentional. Of course. Um, <laughs> of course. And, and it's also for the Owen intention is a stroke of paint. Because mm. uh, circles are never, never perfect. But also that circle is also hand-drawn because it's very unique in your own. But what's important and distinctive about that O and the inclusion of the butterflies coming out of it, as we think about our imperfection of art and our behaviors, we are not perfect, but they offer us visibility and authenticity. But it starts from something and then transforms to something else, no different than a butterfly being transformed from a caterpillar to something now that can fly. We have our chrysalis and then we move forward. Transformations are no different. We are now moving and adapting to something that is from something to something else. It's a definition more synonymous with shifting from one place to another, whereas changes are incremental and isolated. But not to be lost in any of this change, you know, any change doesn't necessarily mean loss. It does mean moving forward. It's an acknowledgement of where we were, where we currently are, but the choice to do something different in the next moment. Mm. And that's why transformation is so important. Yeah. So still part of the process, but just not um, a singular part of it, right? It has to be part of something else or something bigger. Absolutely. Um, it's it'll, something bigger, both in our action, but it's also acknowledging that's an emotional tide for transformations too, right? Um, I don't want to lose sight of that. It's just simply behavior. It's how we think. It's how we feel. 
in addition to what we do. And so it's extremely important just to keep that in mind that it is truly a process as we move forward. Mm. So how does, okay, so how does somebody make that shift from, okay, I want to make a change to I want to transform? Like what has to happen for somebody to recognize that and be willing to begin on that journey? Yeah, um, one of the first things is around, I talk about in the book, you know, at the very outset, and that is, I want people to expand their awareness. And you touched on it with one word, and that is, what's your will? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to put forth the effort, both thought, action, and also how you feel to move forward? If you just want something one time, this book is not for you, and, and I can almost guarantee your sustainment will necessarily won't be there. But at the very outset, I'm asking people to expand their awareness around what they're hoping to achieve. Like, what's their reason? What's the hankering point? What's that passion? What's their priority? And expanding it beyond what we consciously see from an end result standpoint, but acknowledging the behaviors that, are, that it takes to get there, wherever the there is, and doing it on a consistent basis. So it's a reframing of thought, one based off of what do I want to achieve? How do I want to feel? Where do I want to be? And then it comes into who am I as a person? So what's the principles that you bring as an individual? And I define this as the principle of you. What are the characters that we bring in our own story? Characters aren't, you know, our, our titles of VP, author. It isn't, I'm a brother, sibling, parent. Those are things bestowed upon us. Our characters and what we bring to the table are, I'm a Mr. Know-it-all, or um, my character of I eat to control emotion, or I have a character of, you know, we often talk about in some ways of passive aggressive, um, but it could be, I'm the abominable snowman, right? I'm, you know, from the old Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck um, <laughs> cartoon, you know, the abominable snowman wanted nothing more than a rabbit. And he just wanted to love the rabbit just because he wanted to have something to play with. But what he was doing was killing Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, right? He was just squeezing the heck out of him, right? <laughs> right? And we do that sometimes. We want something so much that we just don't relax and let things go. But those are our characters we bring to the table that act in, in influence on who we are in certain moments. And so for those acknowledging who our characters are in our environments and, the, and how they support our characters, and how they support our decisions influence how we then move forward. So for those who are looking to start and say, wow, I get it, I wanna transform. It's just not, it doesn't start with taking action and behavioral action. It first starts with what do you want and being clear on what your priority is and the behaviors that are associated with the, achieving that priority. And getting clear that what we often see is an end result of so many other actions. The second is understand who, who we are as individuals and what do we bring to the table that will influence our, the steps we take in our achievement or our processes or behaviors. 
Now it's thought through from a thinking perspective, an emotional perspective. And then finally, that's when we start building our plans to then start taking actions. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I love, you know, there's the whole, the, the book is called Intention and, and everything that you're talking about really does embody that. Like it's really a thought out, planned um, awareness and, and listening and, and really thinking about what it is that you want. And that's, you know, I think a lot of us, we miss that step, right? We just go, okay, so I want to do this. And then they just start, you know, heading down a path, but without really tapping into, like you say, you know, does my environment support this? And, you know, what is it that I really want? Why do I want it? I think those are things that often get overlooked. Would you agree? And like, when you're working with people that that's something that maybe they hadn't thought of or hadn't gone deep enough on? Absolutely. Um, it is something that people don't go deep enough on and, and thus it then becomes a challenge or a struggle when people don't achieve the results they want or they're unable to sustain it. So at the outset, I talked to my clients around, you know, I, um, that I talked about even in the book around individuals needing to manage their pace. You know, it's an acronym um, that I, you know, that I put to it as well, because of course you need acronyms for everything. Um, <laughs> so the first, you know, the P is for patience. Like there aren't gonna be any shortcuts. Um, I'm really asking people to really take an, an, an investment in themselves in a way that they haven't done before. To that extent, the A in pace is accountability. This is our story, your story, my story, own it. There's others impacted by this, but this is for us to own. And thus it's our decisions. The C is commitment. The commitment towards doing something different because it won't be easy. And it never is. You're gonna struggle both, there'll be emotional pulls, there'll be time pulls, there'll even be challenges with our environments around us. But we need to stay committed to what is our priority and what is it that we really want? Because we're not, unlike my clients who are in in the clinical ward, those clients needed the help, right? To live and to survive. When I'm working with clients now with the executives and people just one-on-one -on -one outside of the corporate environment, they're just trying to be better. So they're coming from a different place. So we oftentimes give ourselves off ramps that otherwise we just say, oh, I can just sweep that underneath the rug or, hey, if something fails, I won't be as committed or my commitment, it goes as far as my wallet or my energy level. And I'm asking people to stay committed to whatever it is that they've made a choice to do. And then finally, what's the emotions? You know, there's an emotional toll that goes through this entire process that we all go through and experience. And it's something that we often offset and don't look at in a way that, that, that uh, sets us up for success. And so I, when I'm asking and talk to my clients around managing their pace, specifically, I'm also asking them to do three things at, the, at, at some point during the week. And that is number one, pause their time. Whatever it is, just, just sit down, relax, and I just need you to think. Like well, one, pause, <laughs> just stop. I don't, you don't need phone, just find that place where you can get lost. The second thing is process and hone in. So this is that, that, that think about what you just experienced. Really give it some equity of thinking in time and space. 
Because one of the most fearful things I think we all have, and I think this last year and a half has demonstrated, is that people have built their lives around so much noise that they are afraid of their own thoughts. That they're afraid of really what is it they're thinking. Yet the busyness of our schedules dictated our value. I'm asking us now to place more value on the time spent thinking and reflecting which is the last part, reflecting for self-awareness. What are you doing? How are your behaviors aligned to what your priority is? How does it align to your energy, your wants? Because they're always gonna change and it's never gonna be 100% all the time. But making sure that you're keeping an alignment with whatever energy and thoughts you have. And that affords us a chance to move forward. But that just exercise of pausing, process and reflecting does and is managed through owning our pace because it's our pace to own. And that's something that I work with my leaders and those who I'm coaching on quite a bit to take that time just to pause. Yeah, you know, that really um, makes so much sense to me because so often, you know, you'll tell somebody that you want to do something and then they'll come back with all these ideas and, oh, you should this and this and this. And there's this instant resistance mm-hmm. because that's what works for them. Yeah. It's not necessarily what's going to work for me. So, you know, right. giving yourself that time to pause and really hone in on, you know, what this is going to look like for me. What am I willing to commit to? Like, how much time am I willing to commit to this? And what am I willing to give up? And, you know, I think that really has to be part of the process before we do any type of even small changes and taking those little steps is like for myself, I know what won't work for me for sure. Right. Um, right. And so, but really tapping into those things that will, mm-hmm. um, I think that's powerful. And that's what, I, for what I'm kind of picking up through this is for myself, I know that's what's going to make the difference on creating a transformation for myself versus just making small changes that, that don't stick around is really knowing what I am personally willing to commit to. Yeah. Yeah. What you're willing to commit and not being afraid to say, here's who I am. And maybe the things that I committed to before, they serve their purpose from a character standpoint or otherwise. But maybe I need to change my expectation on that. Um, I know that's one thing that I had to do for myself, even in writing this book. Um, as we were talking earlier, just around the writing process for the first version of this book, which was the audiobook. Um, quite frankly, when I wrote the book, I wrote it in a way that quite simply, I wrote scared. I wasn't putting all my thoughts down or I was skirting around certain topics. I was not clear in certain aspects of the points I wanted to make because I knew them in my mind, but I just didn't put them down on a sheet of paper. And so as I was going through the audiobook portion I realized that that moment was, and listening to myself, acknowledged old beliefs that I had built my life around of being in the shadows, not necessarily sharing my thoughts. And if I was just skirting around certain things because I did not get to know, or I did not want the person of whom I was talking to really get to know who I was because I wanted to be in the middle. And it was all about them. And that just doesn't work with a book. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. 
or at least a good one anyway, in my mind. And, um, and it really was an eye-opening experience to audit myself in that respect and say, I need to change the characters and the beliefs I'd made, going back to your statement of what I was willing to do, it served its purpose. It doesn't mean that it was wrong. It does mean that if I want to be an author, I now have to do something else. I have to evolve and become something else. And I can't be afraid and I have to be vulnerable in that experience. As with any transformation, if we're not ready to be vulnerable to the things that we thought we knew and the beliefs that we held and the people that we've become and having them challenged, I can rest assured that any transformation will also fall and or will not be sustained. Going through my own journey of this entire process has really been a a very unique uh, experience, both as an author, but also as a, as a client of myself. <laughs> mm, interesting. I love it. You know, that's the thing is we go on this discovery to be able to help other people. I find I coach myself almost as more than I coach my clients sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's um, so much uh, of acknowledgement and awareness is brought to the forefront. That's like, oh, and I talk about it even actually in the book as well, you know, in a certain part that you'll get to later on, just around um, when I conducted my first audio book and the reality of what it, what it brought out of me. And I don't want to spoil it for you. That's why I'm kind of uh, trimming it up for really a, was eye-opening for me. Oh, I like it. So you do have an audiobook version? Because I looked on Audible because that's always my go-to and I didn't see it. Yes, actually, I do not have an audiobook version. Okay. So, um, ironically, I the, um, the copy that you have is yep. a second iteration of the book, mm. um, and it was as a result of the audiobook that I had conducted that I realized the book was not it was not ready. I didn't oh. I did not like it. It didn't hit my voice, um, and a lot of things came up personally out of it that really forced me to, to make some decisions. And if I was going to write the book, um, I had to be more authentic and more, uh, not to say I wasn't before, but more transparent is probably a better word. Mm, I like to, it. To actually move forward. So uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how we receive those lessons, right? Like when you're, when you're writing it, it comes out one way, but then when you hear it, it's, it's yeah. a whole different, a whole different thing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and I even, and part of that was, hearing it and auditing myself as you described as a coach we're coaching other people but in this instance when i was doing an audit of all of the 52 uh audio clips that we had i was coaching myself through this through the process and i and it just brought awareness that oh no this is this is not very good and i can't send this out and because it's not my voice it's not who i am and I'm, right. I'm more than this. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because that's actually, I think, the exact reason that I haven't put together this course, this online course that I want to create is because every time I put it together, I feel like there's just so much more. But how do I present it? And then I really get bogged down on it. So it's thank you for sharing that, you know, maybe what I need to do is just create it. And then go back and, and listen to it and maybe audit it myself and take myself through my own journey. Maybe that'll help me do it. 
So. Yeah, I think it might. I know it definitely helped me. Um, and to the extent when I actually listened to that audiobook, I actually scrapped the entire thing and wrote the book from scratch. Wow. Um, now, when, now saying that, you know, when I say from scratch, it truly was like, let's restart. But I had, you know, all my notes, all my recordings that I had done with my editor as she was documenting the things that I was saying and just providing notes. I was going back to all of the books I had read and had referenced um, and said, okay, let's get the data that you started with. And then let's write down a list of all of my stories that I wanted to put in and let's start writing the story so that I'm actually having to detail the emotion or the, the, the taste, the smells, the et cetera, mm. of the world. Mm, beautiful. Um, and it forced me to, that audiobook audit forced me to become the author this book needed me to be. And, that is so beautiful. And, and it really was a, um, an exploration and experience that for me was very powerful, but as important as we noted, it allowed me to also be a participant of my own book <laughs> and mm -hmm. answer some of the same questions of which I ask others, but I needed to explore myself as well. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. When I did my coaching certification, the idea was obviously to learn how to help other people. But wow, like I got coached. Yeah, um, It was my own personal breakthrough that I got to go through before I ever got to help anybody else. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a great experience. Um, when I was doing therapy and so forth, uh, I know a lot of people go through therapy. So they have the experience of what it's like to be on the other side as well as go through their own experience of what it means. And as you described from a coaching perspective, getting our own coaching experience. Um, and I know I've had mine through my book editor also being a coach to mm -hmm. athletic coaches and trainers in other forums. It's really an eye-opening experience of what I'm able to see and do. And again, you described it as well. So it's mm -hmm. pretty, pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I love that, you know, you said that you, through listening to your own words that you recognized what you had not been doing and that you wanted to um, create something better that you were putting out into the world. Right. But being able to go back and listen to it again, after you'd gone through the process was the part that really um, opened your eyes to it. Right. Yes, absolutely. And um, not to be lost. It was not fun. <laughs> it, was, it was not a good experience um but you know in that in that place of listening to myself and saying oh no this is not it i had i had to realize two things uh, the first was i needed to treat my own audit and coaching of myself and where my audiobook was as a place of reference not of resident Mm. And if treating it as a place of reference and not of resident allows me and empowers me to do something with the information I have. Yes, I'm going to be vulnerable. Yes, I was vulnerable in this case, emotionally and in my actions. But if I treated my own experience as this is who I am and this is what I'm defined by, I would have never have written a book. It would have been some, an activity that says, yep, I started it. It's a book that's just going to sit on the shelves 
never to be seen by seen or heard by anybody. But I had to treat that vulnerable moment in my own personal coaching to myself as a place of reference to say, okay, here is your baseline. It's your first time writing a book, first time um, conducting and recording an audiobook. This is uh, the first time you're actually speaking this, this language out loud and, and reading it so that others can hear it. I'm also fighting my characters of hiding in the shadows that have made me successful in certain ways, but the reality is it is a detriment to me moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that was the reality of saying that's your reference point. That doesn't mean you're gonna flip a switch and to be something else and somebody else tomorrow. Um, it does mean that I have an opportunity. I have a choice. And going back to what you alluded to, and actually what I talk about in the book as well, I could ask myself, what am I willing to do? And now I have a choice to make. And let's move forward. And in my case, I said, okay, this is the, this is the fun part of the journey. Uh, this is why I'm doing this for myself, but also for others. Challenge accepted, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> well, and when you have those moments of, ah, like the, you know, you have this awareness moment of, okay, like I, I do now have a choice now. What do I want to do with it? You know, mm-hmm. and, and considering that you were writing the book to be able to help others basically go through that same process themselves to create those opportunities of more choice and awareness and creating more intention and, and creating a journey for themselves. I mean, you kind of had to follow through, no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I just like, I, I had to, it's like, and then I'm just, again, coaching myself, like, okay, yeah. like here, here we, here we go. Um, it also gave me a chance to even reframe, even, even, success Mm. um you know it's it's oftentimes that we sit down and we we hear success and um in a in a context of how we've originally started of i'm going to write this book i'm going to have this audio book it's going to look like this it's going to look like that it's like well I gave myself an opportunity to say, yes, I'm vulnerable. Yes, I have a frame of reference. No, it's not gonna happen or my behaviors won't change all at once. But what steps can I take? And that allows me to build the capability, recognizing that an end result, in this case being a book, an audio book, et cetera, are going to be a lot different in a month versus three years from now, just given the capabilities I'm building and affording my chance, affording myself a chance to execute against in different scenarios. Because as you think about this, for me, the idea of the judgment and owning my voice and saying something out loud and being seen, that's just not about this book. It's just not about this audiobook. That could probably be extended throughout and does get extended throughout the fabric of my life. It afforded me a chance to reframe what that success means in building my own capabilities. And I've truly seen a transformation of who I was when I originally wrote this some two and a half years ago to when I 
finally finished it and started the, you know, PR process back in, you know, the middle of 2020. I've really seen that transformation from an experiential standpoint, but it also had me reframe success in a way that's built on behaviors and the consistency of my behaviors versus an endpoint, and in this case, defined by a book or, or audiobook. I love it. I love that you set out to take other people on a journey through the skills and knowledge that you've gained over your lifetime. And in the end, you got to go on your own journey through it. I think that is fantastic. Yeah, um, not something I had expected. But believe me, it's it was well, well worth the the investment in myself. And giving back in a way that can articulate it hopefully in a in a way that others can resonate with um but i this book took cumulatively four years to write so it was not overnight that learning took time and i don't and i think that's something that we often miss in this transformation process is that we just want the end result pretty quickly and that we think our plans that we put together as well thought out as they might be and irrespective of our best intentions, it still may not work or we just might not be ready as ready as we thought we were. And so I know I've had clients of whom we've built out plans, they were ready, but as with all plans, we all live parallel lives on paper. <laughs> Everything sounds good written down. Like you realize that, yep, I've lost that 10 pounds for that reunion. I've got the job title. I've got the family. I've got whatever that is. But to actually take the steps to do is hard, sometimes hard. And it just, it does take time. Mm-hmm. So it, who would you say this book is for? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I, get, I get that quite often. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I, think, it's, I think it's something that I, I think about quite often. Um, so I'll, I, here's how I like to couch it. And I say, this book is for anyone who aspires to challenge their thoughts and actions to achieve meaningful transformations. Um, you know, this book is not restricted to a type of goal. The only prerequisite that I have for this book is that the person who is transforming is you Mm. and that you're changing, not something quickly or not put in, in that you're, in that you put in the time to explore yourself in a meaningful way. You know, secondly, my experience, you know, in applying this, my research and theories and even my own changes, you know, in this book really have demonstrated that it's a function of an individual really saying, I want to be better. And that I'm willing to invest that time. Mm -hmm. I think that's really key too, is for people to, you know, so many of us are looking for that quick fix magic pill, you know, and what I've learned through my own journey to become who I am over the last five years, like I've really gone through some shifts is just falling in love with the journey, like really enjoying every moment of the process and being able to look back and appreciate 
you know, where I was and, and where I am now. Um, and that's kind of, for me, that's what I'm looking forward to diving into more of the book and feeling like I'm going to be able to solidify even more of that um, as I read your book. Yeah, no, and I, and I, you know, definitely appreciate that. And, and the book was written with the intention of being experienced, not necessarily just thumbed through. Um, it's not written in a very difficult way. Uh, holistically, I imagine somebody can get through this book in a weekend or max a week, just reading it, right? Um, but it is meant to be experienced. Um, the book offers examples, both on a very personal level to me, as I talk a little bit about my story, I talk about it in the context of those leaders of whom I've coached and the experiences and how they've actually used the principles in this book, as well as I talk about in the context of people I've coached one-on-one, -on -one, just in the context of they just want to be better and transforming their lives. So it's the situation may change for us all on where we want to be better at, because that's very unique to us all. The questions and the foundation and the themes of which we need to be exploring and as you mentioned, experienced through this journey are relatively the same. But it's the questions and their subsequent answers that are gonna be the real true differentiators behind this journey. And it's been a, it was a joy to write, but more importantly, it was a joy to, it was enjoyable to experience. I can't say it was always fun. I can't say it was always a joy. Um, <laughs> Plenty of times of frustration and uh, just like the heck with this. Um, <laughs> yeah, plenty of plenty of times of that. But I can say at the end, I I was really happy with the person with the book that came out, but also the person I have. I continue to become as a result. Beautiful. I have a feeling that this is the kind of book that you don't just read once. Because as you evolve into somebody through reading it and experiencing it and making those decisions and new commitments, that then you can go back and read it again with that new um, way of seeing things and learn new things and progress and continue to evolve. That's, that's just kind of my gut. I think this is one that I'm going to keep around um, as you know something that I read more often than just one time. I, I, and that's absolutely the case as well. Um, I, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was recently talking to a friend of mine about the book and he was going through his exploration on it. And as we were talking, this very topic came up of how to leverage this book from an ongoing perspective. And this book, because it acts as a guide, it's going to be less about informed and more about reminded mm. as you embark upon different transformations and being better in other areas of your life. Because our stories and our narratives do change. Our sets and script and even our characters of whom we're enacting all change and have a different influence on what does it now mean to be better. And so as you pick up the book for the first time, it may offer some reminder, some informed. It also reflects where we are in our life in that immediate moment of what most resonates with us. 
But as we go through other transformations, we can pick the book up and be offered a reminder of what do I now need to consider? Who am I? What characters are now influencing this new priority? What is this priority? What am I willing to do for it or for them that I did not consider or need to consider before I move forward? How am I affording myself time today versus say two years ago? Those reminders offer us, yep, I should be doing that. <laughs> and now here's, I have a choice. I love it. You know, kind of when you said the word reminder, I started looking around and I have all these sticky notes, you know, from different books and things that I've read that are just, these are like, these are the things, these are the things that I want to constantly be reminding myself of. And so that I, I have those little triggers throughout my day that, that really help to uh, solidify those decisions and actions that I want to take. And I have a feeling, like you say, the reminder that that book is going to be the same thing for me. So, yeah. oh, yeah. It was so, so awesome. Um, really enjoyed having this conversation with you. So where can people find your book? Yeah, so they can find my book um, on Amazon as well as in Barnes & Noble. Um, cool. It's under Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story. You'll find the, as you noted, the, uh, the paperback as well as an ebook version of the book. In the next month or so, there will be an audiobook version. Um, for those who, who, who like the audiobook version of which I recognize that you're looking for as well. Um, yes. Finishing up, you know, the identification of the person doing it and some of the editing that's associated with that. So that's a one place to find the book. They can also find the book on my website at roadsmith.com. That's R-H-O-D-E-S-S-M-I-T-H.com. Um, there, uh, for those who want to you know, to see where to buy the book, but as important to see what others have said about it. So the book has been reviewed from a number of different points of view, as well as has been written up in several magazines, et cetera, as well as hear other parts about what I talk about associated with attention, intention, as well as other topics such as this podcast and others, um, mm -hmm. as well as uh, through social media where I can be found on Twitter and Instagram where I do talk a little bit about the book and some other actions in the day. Um, my handles for both are Dr. B underscore intention. Wonderful. I will put all of those links into the show notes for people so they can have quick access. So before I let you go, I have to ask all my guests, huh? if you could give somebody who's ready to take their business to the next level, one piece of advice, what would you suggest? Sure. Um, if we think about business and taking our, our businesses to the next level, um, a quote from Niccolo Machiavelli seems to stand out to me because it really reflects both business and, and who we are as individuals. Um, this quote from Niccolo Machiavelli, I'm going to paraphrase if, with, the, uh, with the understanding that I might not say it exactly right, <laughs> but it goes, he who does not lay his foundations beforehand, made by great abilities, do so afterwards. Although with great trouble to the architect and danger to the building. Mm. And as we think about as a business owner myself and as working with a number of organizations from startups to midsize who are challenged in a number of ways, when we think about the idea of growth, 
This quote of he who does not lay his foundations beforehand made by great abilities do so afterwards. Our foundations are built off of what we've always been good at based on our expertise, our expertise, our sales, our marketing. Our foundations for growth oftentimes extend towards how do we treat our people? Do we have the right management? Do we have the right infrastructure from a technology standpoint? Do we have the right processes in place? Oh yeah, by the way, if we're thinking about the house, it's like you're trying to build a new house with a 2022 house on 1940 pipes. How are your pipes, <laughs> right? With great ability, you could do so afterwards, building this wonderful 2022 house of changing the pipes. But as this quote says, it's although you can do it, it will be with great trouble to the architect, a la yourselves as the business owners and potential danger to the building. Those pipes may not be able to scale and deal with all the water that's about to come through this 2020, 2022 home because they're from 1940. You might be putting yourself at risk in ways that you didn't realize, but if you have the right foundation or at least knowledge in thinking about it, having a solid foundation puts you in a better position so that you can uh, build out a, a, a new growth and you won't minimize the danger to you and minimize the danger to the building. So that would be my advice as we think about growth for business. I love it. I love it. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, a lot of times we want to jump so far ahead and do things uh, in our business before we set those uh, proper foundations. So thank you for, for that reminder for some of us who may need it. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. And I'm constantly reminding myself of that. Not always about the sales. I mean, it is about that, but it also isn't. There's an, it's a yes and not right. a anymore. Right. Love it. Yes. And I'm going to adopt that. Thank you for that. <laughs> <You're welcome>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ian, it was great to have you on the show and I wish you so much success with your book. Um, like I said, I've only just started reading it and I'm already really enjoying it. So I'm going to dive deeper and uh, I'll definitely reach out and let you know, I'll give you some feedback testimonial on my review of your book. So no, I would love that Jessica. This was a great conversation. Um, and yeah, I'd love some, your feedback, your thoughts, and what, what, what really stood out to you because it's an individual experience, but I recognize that, hey, I'm, a, I'm going through a learning process myself on this in a number of ways. So would love to stay in contact and, and hear all the great things that you're doing as well. And when the audiobook comes out, please tell me. I want, that's yeah. my go-to. So I love audio. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be doing a mass marketing of like, hey, Here's the audio. It's finally out, <laughs> so to speak. Um, Beautiful. I'm, I'll be first in line. <laughs> all right. That sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again so much for spending your Saturday morning with me. Thank you too, Jessica. And definitely take care. <laughs>